Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspectives on the latest news in the industry, bringing you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and the industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, valuation, and pitching investors. Why would we take on such of a challenge? Well, we've helped launch 80 companies into the cannabis industry here at Canopy Boulder and made over 100 individual investments into these companies. So you might say we have the inside line on things. So join us as we take you deeper into legal cannabis and uncover all the nuances of starting up and investing in the cannabis industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. Um, we're going to do a little bit of something a little bit different uh, for the next couple weeks. So we're going to play our Jumpstart Conference series. So for those of you who kind of follow Canopy Boulder, you know that we held our annual Jumpstart Conference last week. So this is a conference we put on every year. Um, We bring together industry experts and the cannabis curious and kind of everybody that lies in between. And we talk about kind of challenges that the industry faces, where the opportunities are, where maybe the gaps are for entrepreneurs to build products or services uh, that the industry needs, as well as sort of talk about what do we think the future looks like um, and how do we kind of plan to build out this industry um, going forward. So that was the conference. Um, and as I was promoting the conference, I was getting a lot of feedback from people kind of wondering if we were going to record it or stream it, um, which got me thinking that this would be a great topic for a podcast. So what we're going to do is that this week, next week, and the week after that, we are going to play parts of the conference. So the conference is pretty long, so we're going to kind of chop it up for you. Um, and make sure you get all that content. So you're going to want to tune in next week and the week after that as well after you listen to today's episode. So a little bit about what that includes. So the conference is a three-part conference. We have an operators panel, which is what you're going to listen to today, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Then we have an entrepreneur panel. So these are all Canopy Boulder alumni. These are people running youngish companies at various sort of stages of their company life cycle Um, and they're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be an entrepreneur in this space Uh, you know what are some of the tricky things to to consider um, and some of the best practices and the people on those panels that's Jeremy Bamford of Pot Guide uh, which was actually in our inaugural um, accelerator class and then Liz Tejeros, she's the president of BDS Analytics. And then Henry Finkelstein, who is the founder and CEO of Cannabis Big Data. Um, the third part of this uh, series is going to be, I'm going to break down the keynote speech from Dominique Mendiola. So she is currently the director of marijuana coordination for the state of Colorado. She was sort of brought on under Governor Hickenlooper, but she still she still holds that role, even though we have a new governor. Um, so she, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And I have a really special guest who's going to join me and kind of help us break down compliance and regulation and all that fun stuff that people love to talk about in the industry. So that's what's coming up. So that'll be 
Um, today we're going to do the operators panel. Today is January 23rd. Um, and then next week we're going to do the entrepreneur panel. And that will be, so that's January 30th. And then finally we'll break down Dominique's speech on February 6th. So make sure you're tuning in for those. So let's jump into uh, what what uh, what we're doing today, which is our operators panel. So we had three panelists on our panel. Um, Graham Carlson, who's the vice president of strategic initiatives at Charlotte's Web, or CW Hemp, uh, whatever you know it as. He joined them in 2014. He was actually one of the first employees that the Stanley Brothers hired, um, then was promoted to COO. And since then, the company has gone public, so his role has changed a little bit, and he'll talk about that, which is interesting. Uh, our next panelist is Nancy Whiteman. So she is the CEO and founder of Wanna Brands. Anyone who's familiar with the industry has probably heard of Wanna Brands. They're really a beloved brand out there. And uh, I didn't realize this, but Wanna's been around since 2010. So um, they really, they've, they've really been part of this industry a long time, so it's great to hear from her. Um, Ryan Brown is our final panelist. He's the CEO of Native Roots, and he joined them in actually 2016 as the chief revenue officer, and his role has progressed, and now he's the CEO. So he will sort of share the maybe more retail side of things. So that's great. Um, just so you have an idea of kind of what we're going to talk about, um, our panelists are going to touch on things kind of like their challenges that they face, you know, how they interact with customers, where they see sort of the opportunities in the space coming up, um, and some of their predictions for the future. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you tune in next week and the week after to get the rest of the conference. I don't know if I introduced myself earlier, but my name is Patrick Gray. I'm the founder and CEO of Canopy Boulder, um, and I'm just excited to be here and have you all here. So uh, again, it's the government. But this is about the panelists, and this is about you. Um, I was hoping that... Um, I might get a little bit more of an intro, not too long, but not too short, just the you know, Goldilocks intro for each one of you. So uh, talk a little bit about um, your role um, and uh, why you joined the cannabis industry. So Grant, you want to start? So yeah, I joined 2014 with the Stanley Brothers. Um, science background, microbiologist, molecular biologist, project manager, was working on a couple startups before that. Um, came in as one of the first employees and then was quickly uh, promoted to COO. It was one of those promotions where you don't get the pay raise, but they're like, let's give them a title. <laughs> and then your world explodes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a wild ride now since we've gone public. Um, I was so happy to exit. I realized in that process that I'm not a COO. It's a very important thing to realize, too. When you're not just, you don't want to worry about widgets, quality of time, all the time. Um, and so now I'm doing more regulatory stuff, new business development, strategy, governmental affairs, kind of just slowly exiting, but still floating around and adding values. Yeah, and I love fly fishing. He's a He's a ripping skier. We'll see him whiz by you in Eldora. Keep your eyes out. All right, Nancy. Okay, we, we're talking about... Who are you and why are you here? Oh my god, this is like an existential question. <laughs> so, um, I'm um, the founder and CEO of Monograms, and we have been uh, around since 2010, and I was just 
talking about how like every year the cannabis industry is like a dog year. So that's nine years. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Um, let's see. Um, she didn't even attempt to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm the CEO, not the CEO or the CEO. So um, in terms of my, my role, um, I spend most of my time um, on the phone or in meetings pretty much. Um, I, I work, most of my time is really spent on um, strategy and future direction, uh, our expansion and um, finding good partners for us and trying to figure out where this crazy market is going and getting out ahead of it. Um, so that's kind of me. Perfect. Mr. Brown. I'm Ryan Brown. I'm here today to talk to you about my history. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so like any good story, uh, I got into the cannabis industry because of a high school buddy. Um, I joined Native Roots in 2016 as the chief revenue officer. And I joined because uh, truly one of my high school friends um, joined Native Roots in 2009. I was working in management consulting at the time. Uh, was dealing with some incredibly intellectual exercises that were not all that much fun. Uh, and uh, wanted to be able to spend a little time and do something where I feel like I could shape and mold an organization and really leave a, a fingerprint on an organization and ultimately in the hearts and minds of customers, you know? So uh, I had the fortune of, of talking with my friend Mickey, who sucked me into this industry, and it's been a whirlwind ever since. I have grown uh, 12 inches taller, and I am now 95 years old. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, you look great, right? Everybody looks great up on the panel, so thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to start the Q&A to get the ball rolling. So one of the things that um, we love to ask all of our Jumpstart panelists is not about their successes and their glory stories, but their frustrations, right? Because with frustration uh, comes opportunity. With opportunity, if you're like us, you think entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurial opportunities. So um, Ryan, um, Certainly, you run a big organization. How many employees now? So, with our Canadian stores opening in a few weeks here, really, uh, we have approximately 650 folks uh, and working on another 50 or so in Canada in the next like three months. Wow. So, you know, your teams, you see challenges all the time. If you can snap your fingers and have someone solve a problem or frustration that you see in the cannabis industry, that you see when you're running your business on a daily basis, what would that problem be? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. I actually, I, I can't help but use my little Bible here uh, so that I can provide some, some, uh, some insight without getting too distracted. So, um, in thinking about our organization, we have uh, approximately 26 different locations that we operate out of, so different buildings where we have people focused on either a set of production tasks, cultivation tasks, administrative tasks, um, uh, 
servicing the customer, uh, any and all of those types of things. So as our organization has grown, uh, the structure and the way that we manage our organization has evolved a lot. Um, and every evolutionary process has introduced its own challenge. Um, and I find that 95% of my time is making sure it works, um, which is a, a challenge. Um, but uh, in so doing, the, the biggest thing that I find that's also the most important thing for us to stay focused and, and really be tuned in on is what's uh, going on in the minds of the customers when they visit our stores, um, when they consume the product, when they interact with the brand online, when they have a casual conversation about native roots, when they have a casual conversation about one of our partner products, um, how do we capture those insights and how do we meaningfully distribute that information? Um, and uh, being able to spend a little bit less time focusing in on how do we make sure that the organization is working and how do we make sure that we're working for the customer and patient is the most critical thing that uh, becomes harder um, in my personal experience as, as we've got bigger. And so for, I guess the, the thing that I would say is at this point, ways and means of making sure that we can capture and aggregate and you know, in real time as much as possible, communicate the experience of the customer, the feedback of the customer, um, whether it be from retail staff or, or directly from customers themselves, uh, and deliver that information to a diverse set of individuals uh, within the organization, I think is, is huge. You got to talk to this guy, uh, Andrew Duffy of Best and Grove. But Nancy, same question to you. Snap your fingers, solve the problem, make your life great. Is that like a transport studio, like a Tahitian <laughs> island? Or yeah. a... You know, I was thinking about this because uh, Patrick did give us some questions ahead of time. And I was thinking two things. One, a reliable crystal ball, so that I could really try to figure out where the heck everything is going. And the other would be a blood test for potential partners to assess their integrity and confidence. <laughs> so those two things would be great. But in, in all seriousness, I'm actually going to vote with Ryan because I think our biggest challenge, and this is related to the crystal ball, is actually figuring out where the industry is going from a customer perspective. What it is that people are wanting, what they're ready for in terms of innovation and complexity. I think one of the challenges we have as an industry is that um, the bud tender is our gatekeeper. And in some ways that's an opportunity because we can uh, train a discrete number of people and there's somebody there to help the customer. On the other hand, the nature of dispensary sales is that they don't have 20 minutes to hang out with every customer explaining complicated products, right? So we have to develop products that are at the right time for the marketplace that can be explained easily by a bartender in about 30 seconds, right? So um, managing that complexity, knowing that there's so much innovation and we're certainly in the first half of the first inning in terms of product development, but knowing that it has to be communicated through to the customer and how we do that effectively is probably our biggest long-term strategic challenge. Great answer. Look, we've got some uh, two people with the same issue. So, Graham, 
So for us right now, even despite Farm Bill passage, it would be getting access to Facebook advertising as, as any other commodity has on that site. Um, and just looking at other internet advertising where we're currently being blocked. And it's kind of a larger challenge post Farm Bills. You have all of these other sub-governmental agencies or smaller ones that are going to take a while to get on board. So I think that would be something where we could really grow awareness for our product if we had access to that. And then number two, I would say, would be harmonizing the definition of having based on THC in the European market and world market. So now just looking at distribution and production, you know, I look at Europe and I'm like, well, Switzerland's 1%, Italy's at 0.6, UK zero. So you're almost forced into the situation where you're almost like OEM, just like you are state by state, where you're having to produce within these countries. So that's something else that we're looking at. Um, one of the other questions I had was, uh, we've all kind of commented on uh, communication tools, right? Whether it's internally with customers, plug tenders, um, and then marketing. Um, what kind of tools do you currently use uh, to keep everybody on the same page? Are we talking about Slack channels? Are we talking about, you know, uh, text chains? We use Slack. Yeah. We use something similar, but it's cool. <laughs> Sounds like great branding. <laughs> I think we're always trying to balance um, not having people randomized in meetings all day long, but trying to keep the communication yeah. uh, fresh and current, and that's always a huge challenge. 650 plus people, Ryan, and how are you keeping everybody going in the same direction? Yeah, I would say. Uh, so part of my background was in organizational change management, and it was one of my focuses uh, early in my consulting career. So um, we spend uh, some time uh, making sure that we've got good communication mechanisms based on where our people are at. So in our production spaces, they're not on computers. So for those that are developing communication tools, uh, production people largely aren't at computers all day long. Uh, and, and communicating messages to them is actually pretty pretty damn hard. Uh, yeah, I can this great again. And then, uh, so for those folks, it's a different set of tools. Um, some team meetings are necessary. Some sort of wall panels that communicate messages that the team themselves can manage is how we do it currently. Uh, we do all-hands videotape meetings where we pull all of our teams across all of our sites um, together for some configuration. We tend to have people working 24-7 pretty much at this point, uh, so it's complicated to get all those people together. We also use Slack and some other means. And then for those that um, like a good business read, I'm like a total business read dork, uh, is uh, this book, Measure What Matters. And so we, we articulate some of our strategies through um, objectives and key results. Those doors out there, okay. I love you all. <laughs> Nancy, uh, business books, I think it's a great one, just because it's so nice to get these recommended reading lists out there. Nancy and Graham, any books that you feel have had this massive impact on you or your organization? Um, you know, I have a book called Non-Obvious Trends that I actually read every year. And um, what I like about it, and I, I think about it a lot in terms of the industry, there's some stuff that's happening in the industry that we all could agree on, right? Consolidation, globalization, big brands moving in, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, 
you know, those are the things that we all know. Um, what that book helps me do specifically is to get behind the obvious trends and think about the more subtle stuff that's going on that actually drives strategy. So I would recommend that one. Uh, for entrepreneurs out there and anyone operating a business, Why We Sleep is a great book that you should read and will help you understand the science of sleep. And after you do four years and four hours of sleep a night, you realize, holy shit, I should have been sleeping. Um, but no, check it out. It's a, it's a great book for anyone who's running a really busy schedule because eight hours is really important. Believe it or not. I'll start reading that at four this morning. Um, <laughs> Let's open up the panel to some questions. I've got the illustrious Diane Tarkowski. Thank you. Hi, uh, Ryan. I have a question for you. As you're um, building your organization, how do you make everything homogenous so everybody's using the same point of sale, the same SOPs in states that have all different rules? I, th I think we spend a lot of time trying to balance what's critical to actually make homogenous and what's important to not. So um, we, uh, we, for a long time, tried to make everything the exact same at every single store and spent a lot of time undoing a lot of that work um, because we were not creating and tailoring a, a experience and a product set an interaction that was appropriate to the community. Um, so from a, from a technology stuff, we sort of centralize the things we can. And we do that early, and we've done that early for efficiency's sake. Um, and, uh, and we spend a lot of time then trying to make sure that we're gathering local insights and allow for some innovation, you know? I guess we'll, we'll, uh, we'll lean a little bit on the, let's have things get a little bit chaotic to make sure we can learn, rather than everything is exactly the same. And we don't have those opportunities for local learnings to bubble up. You know that that leads me to an, another question. Um, you know, you're we're talking about um, making your business run better um, a lot, and a lot of the folks in attendance here are entrepreneurs in the ancillary products and services sectors. I'm sure your inboxes uh, and the inboxes of your team are constantly full of entrepreneurs who want to pitch you their solution. Um, let's start with Graham. Uh, Graham, what's the best way for a vendor or somebody interested in working with you and helping you solve the problem on the outside, an entrepreneur perhaps, how, what's the best way for them to engage with a company like yours? It's actually really hard. I mean, I get a lot of stuff where I simply won't have time. A warm intro is really helpful. If someone who I trust comes to me and says, hey, this guy's greater than someone who is moderately in my circle, that can really sometimes be the only way unless you're totally addressing a need I have right then. Because if I take my eye off what I'm doing to address everyone's email, it's, it's impossible. Nancy? Certainly, um, a warm introduction is absolutely the best way to get my attention. But I would also say that to entrepreneurs, particularly ancillary businesses out there, if you can demonstrate to me through your LinkedIn intro or your email to me that you actually know something about the company and have given some thought to what my issues and problems might be and are not sending me a canned email, um, that's going to up your chances of getting through me. 
I'll be super brief. I think the other thing too is I try not to be the only door into the company. Uh, and uh, I think people view the CEO often as the door. Um, and that is a door, certainly. Uh, but I do empower, and I, I like to empower the folks that are focusing on various aspects of the business to be an entry and gateway into the organization because they know what's needed often better than I would or do. Questions? I guess I'll start. I, I think that um, 
the Colorado consumer is one of the smartest consumers in the world at this point in terms of cannabis product. Um, some of the same trends in, let's say, like 2014, I see in our Canadian operations uh, today. So, and I've seen that a couple times, um, how people are thinking about product, how products are being sold and marketed. Um, the history is repeating itself. The timeline to accelerate to where we are seems to go faster, but where the consumer's at seems to be somewhat similar. I do think um, there is becoming way more preference in product that mirrors at this point what we see in any other consumer packaged good type manufacturing model. So there's people who are looking for uh, vegan products now more than they were before and looking for all of the variants of products that they would expect from any other consumable um, in the cannabis space, which I actually think is an incredible sign for entrepreneurs who are looking to specifically target what they do excellent to a particular market. This is just a fascinating question for me, and it's, it's one that we're constantly, um, we should exchange what we love in terms of consumer research, because I'd love to have yeah. that. Um, I, I think that we are at a point, even in Colorado, which I consider to be the most uh, mature and sophisticated market in the country, perhaps in the world at this point, um, where I think the technology is probably going to start leaping ahead of where consumers are actually at in terms of their own understanding of cannabis and how it works. And so that, you know, for a product manufacturer like, like my company, what that means is that we always have to be really watching where it's going, but having sort of the art of sensing when the time is right to release a product that's a little bit more sophisticated. And I think even in Colorado, um, we're, we're beyond just, uh, I want to get as high as I can get. I think people are a lot more nuanced than that in terms of what they're looking for and how they use products. But in terms of you know explaining various types of nanotechnology and emulsification and how that impacts quick onset and why you should choose this technology versus that technology, uh, we're not there yet. Um, and we have to feed it out to people, I think, in little digestible chunks that they can understand. I think you have to be really smart about product line and when you extend it and what you're expecting out of your customer. Because you can look at something similar. I think the CBD in the global market, it's a little similar to like potentially a Red Bull model. How long did Red Bull have one SKU for? And CBD is the same way. It's so efficacious that you don't need a CBD Dorito. You really don't. I think it really makes sense to focus on. So I think it makes sense. I mean, there's especially with hemp. There's so much market still to explore and penetrate, especially with different older demographics and people coming into the market. But I think when you're balancing your bandwidth and what you're doing, it makes a lot of sense to to stay focused and be really intentional about when you are putting on your product. Sorry, you guys can't see me all the way behind the phone. <laughs> but I had made basically like two, maybe three questions, very short. I actually grew up in Texas, and so I honestly couldn't even believe when I walked into this interview point just how open and how easy it is almost just to look and see what you want to buy, in a sense, kind of like the consumer use currency earlier. So I really wanted to know where do you guys kind of see dispensaries going with the open 
market where, like in Texas, for instance, there's a lot of land and there's a lot of potential growth and a lot of growers, but it's so slow behind. It's not really innovative right now. So do you guys actually plan uh, to actually get into like a Texas market or like a, a market to where it's a lot of room to grow, like a lot of space? <laughs> And I guess my second question will be, what's actually a great founding team member size? Because you guys grew within like nine years. So just to keep in your inner circle and how personal that circle would be, like how often do you expand your inner circle? So. Uh, yeah, good questions. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll take the first one. <laughs> and then I'll send the second one down this way. Um, so um, in terms of expansion, uh, everybody probably has their own strategy based on their business objectives. Um, and at Native Roots, we look at a combination of uh, what does the potential consumer base look like? Um, what is the regulatory environment stability? How do we think that that's going to change over time? Um, what are the business barriers? And, you know, I, I would say we're fortunate in this, but I look for very high barriers. Uh, I want high barriers. Uh, I love Colorado's competitive marketplace for sure, because it creates iron. Um, and uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to be able to leverage that in a less contentious marketplace. So in Texas, if um, ultimately some legislative things pass and public opinion evolves and some dominoes fall, uh, then I think it'll be a great market. I'm personally loving watching Oklahoma uh, try to gain ascendancy over Texas. It's really funny to watch. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, address the, the second uh, part of the question, which I think you were asking. I've oh, lost your you yeah. You were asking um, uh, how large a founding team? Correct, like how when you have a founding team, how? Do you see a lot of turnover on your sort of high level management team, or has that stayed relatively stable? Um, it has stayed relatively stable. Table. I would say we we are perhaps uh, a little unusual for maybe companies that are starting out now. We completely bootstrapped the business, started it from nothing really, and didn't have any investors or any debt. Still don't. At least wow. Yeah. Talk to me a couple minutes. But um, <laughs> and so you know, I would say that the answer to that for us was very organic. We've added people as we saw that we really needed it. And it's really just been within the last year that I've added sort of C-level people to the mix. So now we have a chief operating officer and we have a CFO and we're back to the CRO. Um, <laughs> um, so we so it, it really has been driven by what the business needs as opposed to any preconceived notion of what the team should look like. So when you first started out, you actually did it Who, who, yeah. we, we just did everything. How many people, like, day one, Nancy? How many people? Two. two. <laughs> and how many people now? About 80. 80. Yeah. Wow. Seriously. Okay. Um, Graham, you want to tackle that one? I would just say, even if you're not going to hire that person that day, have a, have a map of when you're going to meet people. And just start looking for good people minimum three months before. Just know that that's there. Because it takes a long time to and one, of, one of the things we tell the teams is a big part of your job as a CEO of a business is to be a talent scout. You are constantly networking, constantly uh, sort of surveying your room, 
those around you in your circle and talking to folks pre, sort of pre, you know, knowing that there's going to be hires coming down the road and making sure you're ready with talent. So we, we're, we're running out of time for the panel, so I'm, I, 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 I appreciate it. We're going to try to like wrap this up uh, so we can end and get uh, keep everything moving. I'm going to ask one last question. Uh, with all the changing changes going on at the federal level, Gardner and Trump, McConnell and the Hemp Farm Bill, uh, Schumer talking about descheduling, uh, John Boehner and Ascend. I mean, uh, what are your predictions for 2019? <laughs> uh, I, I'll start by just saying this. We've, we try and spend a lot of time not trying to marry ourselves to one particular outcome and try and have options. So we have a plan that we like and we hope it happens and we understand how we're going to adjust in different environments. So I, I think that that's just key because you can spend a lot of money heading down a path that doesn't manifest um, in this industry, for sure. Um, so with all that said, um, I think that uh, there are potentially two things that are going to happen in the next little while. Um, I'll try not to speak to a time frame. I think that we might be walking towards an economic downturn of some sort, hopefully a small one. I think that that's going to add a tremendous amount of pressure for states that don't have cannabis to want the tax revenue. It's the most accepted um, uh, political position in the United States right now. Um, and there's broad consensus really on both sides of the aisle. There are just some key leaders that uh, prevent legislation and, and things like that from moving forward. So I think it will take a while until there is full descheduling, probably. But I do think something like the States Act um, will probably pass, which essentially treats states that have passed uh, cannabis legislation as federally legal within those states. Um, so I think something like that will pass. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Write your congressman. Um, and, uh, and that could happen within the next two or three years. Oh. <laughs> hot, hot mic. I know. I'm gonna just uh, remember that crystal ball I was saying. This is one of the reasons that I want it. Um, I, I have to agree with Frank. I think the whole industry, our focus right now, should be on getting the states act passed. I think that's first and foremost the most important thing that we have to do. I personally don't think we're going to see federal legalization uh, until uh, at least 2020, if not the end. So perhaps CBD, I think significant thing we're definitely going to see in 2019 is. Uh, larger CPG Procter and Gamble's or Johnson and Johnson's coming in and trying to acquire brands because they don't want to build them. Uh, and I made this call maybe five years ago, so I'm just going to stick with it. I think we'll see federal legalization in two years, maybe three years. And my prediction for 2019 is that with the Farm Bill passing the legalization of CBD and hemp, we're going to see a flood of institutional capital from venture capital, private equity, and uh, mainstream CBG, big alcohol coming in and uh, investing in CBD and hemp businesses initially. And uh, that's kind of their gateway, right, uh, into the industry. So uh, I want to thank all the panelists. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> These are 
leaders in the industry, and um, if you're looking for uh, folks to model your professional career off your entrepreneurial journey, these ain't bad people to model them after. So thank you for joining us tonight. And that's where we're going to leave it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, tune in next week for our alumni entrepreneur panel um, and the week after that for Dominique's uh, keynote speech um, about kind of the regulations of cannabis. Um, a couple other sort of housekeeping things. We are accepting applications for our next cohort. So if you've got a great cannabis idea in the ancillary or CBD hemp space, so um, we can't invest in anything that's THC touching. So no cultivation, retail, um, or any brands that um, contain THC, but everything else, send us your applications. We want to hear from you. You can find more information about that at canopyboulder.com backslash apply. Um, also follow us on social media and please subscribe. If you like this, please subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. It really helps kind of boost us up in the podcast world and make this content more accessible for everybody, um, and help make this industry more mainstream. So we appreciate your support. Um, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much. Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.